Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. Um, I have an author on the podcast today, an LDS author that's written a book about the Holy Ghost. And her name is Liz. Will you tell us how to say your last name? Yes, it's Cousin G. And tell us how to spell it. Um, not like you'd think. So it's K-A-Z-A-N-D-Z-H-Y. All right, Liz, Cousin G, welcome to the podcast. Really glad to have you. Um, listeners, the name of this book, and it's at Desert Book and Siegel on Amazon, is called The Holy Ghost from A to Z. Um, and as I li- visited with Liz, I asked her what she hoped the book would help people feel. And she says she wants people to feel the Spirit more and really our own spiritual experiences. I think that's terrific. So this is a book and a podcast focus on just her book and its ability to help us feel the Spirit more. I like the idea of filling the Spirit more because I think we make better decisions and feel God's love. Um, Liz is married. She has three kids. She uh, got a degree from BYU in human development um, and is an editor. Um, She also holds a podcast, her own podcast. Tell our listeners the name of your podcast, Liz. It's Latter-day Saint Book Nook, and um, I pull gospel lessons from books of all genres. And we will link to that podcast in the show notes. I love um, people stepping forward and producing podcasts. I think podcasts are a good way to connect people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So um, this book, as I mentioned, is called The Holy Ghost from A to Z. And I think Liz is just going to start with um, an introduction of the book, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, so the book, um, first off, it is for adults. So a lot of people hear that topic. Uh, the Holy Ghost from A to Z, or they hear that title and they think it's a kid's book. Um, but it's actually written for adults. Um, I just talk about the many different blessings from the Spirit in a kind of alphabet setting. So the F chapter is about forgiveness and the G chapter is about spiritual gifts and um, on and on. And the tagline for the book is, it's time to unwrap the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, because we all are given this gift when we're get, when we're baptized, when we receive, you know, the gift through um, laying on of hands. Um, but it's up to us to actually fully receive that into our lives. And so this book talks about some of the common blessings from the Spirit, like uh, comforting and warning and testifying. But it also is a kind of a deep dive into other blessings we might not be aware of like how he can strengthen us physically or um, help us in our relationships and just these, these many ways that he can bless our lives. I love that. And I've wondered in my life, we talk a lot of thing, about a lot of things in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost obviously is talked about, but I like that we're spending a whole podcast and that you have a whole book focused on this. And I love this tagline, unwrap the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's something visual about that. There's a gift there. Liz, that we've all been given, as you just said, but I love the visual imagery of unwrap um, because that implies a little bit of work on our part, um, but then when we unwrap the gift, it's available in our lives to bless us. So I love that tagline and that visual imagery. Um, Listeners, there's some wonderful advanced praise. I won't read all of these, but sometimes in a book, you see people that give um, book advanced praise, and there's wonderful Advanced praise here from Susan Easton Black, David Ridges. Um, one of my favorite is Alonzo Gaskell, one of um, wonderful professor of world religions at BYU. And he talks in his um, endorsement here 
about the importance of the Holy Ghost. So this is a book that is um, very much needed in our community and very well supported by our faith community. So would you any more you'd like to share as part of the introduction? Yeah, I think the the main parts that people have liked the most. Um, first, there's a, a quiz at the beginning called the Spiritual Inventory Quiz, and it's it's like an interactive. Um, you kind of put check marks next to these um, statements that apply to you. So if you like, if you're feeling contention with someone, or you're struggling to accept a gospel doctrine, or um, you would you would go you would check those, and then it tells you what chapter to go to. So you don't have to read the book from beginning to end in order. You can literally take that quiz, go straight to a chapter, which is short, so about five to 10 minutes for each chapter. And then at the end of each chapter are these um, two to three kind of open-ended application questions that kind of make the book um, like a workbook. So people have really enjoyed that. Um, It's very accessible. It's written very simply, not, um, you know, some, some of the books from professors are kind of really deep with these long paragraphs and big words, but I just wanted it to make it very simple so that everyone, every member of the church could read this and get it and enjoy it. I love that. I come back to unwrapping gifts. That is usually not very complicated. And But there is a process that needs to be taken to unwrap a gift. And I love the way your book kind of matches that visual imagery. And so I love your focus and um, of the book. I think that's the way Christ taught. If I look at what you just said in Christ's ministry, it, it often wasn't very complicated. He used parables to make it very real, how he taught. So I love that. More on the introduction you'd like to share before we get into the other sections of the podcast. Um, I think that is it. So talk about this next section, um, Comforts You. Yeah, so for the rest of the podcast, um, I'm going to be talking not so much about the book per se, but about my personal experiences with the Spirit. So the first one I want to talk about was um, his ability to comfort. And that is super important that, I mean, it's even one of his names, the comforter, uh, because we live in a very uncomfortable world with a lot of trials and um, everybody's going through their own thing. And um, I just remembered an experience I had when I was dating my husband. So he's from Ukraine and I served a mission in Ukraine and we met that way. Um, Nothing happened. Let me just, (laughs) nothing happened on the mission. We hardly (laughs) talked, but when I got home from my mission, I reached out to him and I wrote him and kind of pursued him in that way. And a lot of miracles <laughs> happened uh, and that we started chatting and then started video chatting and fell in love and got engaged. Um, now that is all great, but he was in Ukraine and I was in America. And to bring us together, we needed a fiance visa. And um, we, we decided that America would, would be better for us for having a family. And now with the war going on, thank goodness we chose here. Um, but so we, I filled in all the paperwork, sent in this mound of paperwork in January and we were planning a July wedding and everything was going along well. And then the last step before he could get it was he had an interview with, um, an embassy worker over in Ukraine because they have to evaluate you to see if you meet the criteria, if you've met in person. 
and if your story is legitimate. Because um, people, as we know, they could use this as a way to, you know, come over to America and just get a green card. Um, so on June 5th, Vlad, that's his name, he had this interview at the consulate over in Kiev. And the the worker was just kind of baffled at our story. And he he didn't know what to think. Um, we were we were expecting a yes or no answer at that point. So we would know what what we would do. Either he was coming here, I was going there, how we were gonna get married. Um, but this guy was was like, I've I've gotta think about this some more. And so he left that with a maybe instead of a yes or no. And that put us in a very difficult limbo. Um, we were so in love and all we wanted was to be together and, and we couldn't. And our fate was in the hands of this embassy worker over there. Um, and I just remember being so distraught about that. And it was a Friday when, it, when I got word of that and I decided to go to the temple that night in um, the Provo Temple. And I remember feeling very down um, and not just sad, but also kind of mad um, that, you know, why is this happening to us? We have these righteous desires. Um, you know, yeah, just that just the anger when things don't go, don't go your way. Um, and it also didn't help that it was a Friday night in Provo because it was date night and I was surrounded by these happy couples that, you know, holding hands and just having everything I craved at that time. I just wanted to be with my fiance. And um, I got through the endowment session. I was in the social room and still kind of feeling this um, discomfort, for lack of a better word. And I eventually humbled myself and turned to the scriptures for help. And I read in Mosiah 24 about the people of Alma when they were going through a lot of persecution. And there was a scripture in there that said, um, the Lord knew the thoughts of their hearts. And the other passage I opened was in John, um, John 11, I believe, when Lazarus died and when Jesus came and comforted Mary and Martha. And as we know, the, the, the verse, Jesus wept. And the Spirit just testified to me so strongly that Jesus knew what I was going through. And it was like he was there weeping with me. And knowing the end from the beginning, he, he was still there feeling what I was feeling and weeping with me. Um, and that just brought me so much comfort, that, that empathy and love. And it's interesting that nothing technically changed in that moment. Like I was still thousands of miles away from my soon-to-be husband and we still didn't have a visa and we still had no idea what we were going to do. But everything changes when you know that God is aware of you and that he has a plan for you and that Christ completely understands you and the spirit can really drive that home to you if you let him as I did in the, the temple that evening. I love that story. 
you want to keep sharing what happened or do you want to save that oh, for yeah. later? Yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> or do you want to people find that in the book? Uh, so um, that was June 5th, like I said. 20 days later, we got the visa. It was June 25th. We were planning a July 10th wedding. So as soon as we got news, he bought a plane ticket and he flew here on a Monday and we got married on Friday, four days later. And that was his first visit to the States or he'd yeah. been here before? No, first, first time ever coming to America. And this is an American in the embassy in Kiev. I'm just trying to figure out the process. This isn't a Ukrainian person. This is American. Yeah. That's charged with deciding if Vlad can come to the United States. Yes, that's correct. The maybe would be fascinating to know. I assume you have no backstory of what, but why this worker went from maybe to yes. Actually, I, I do know. And it was yet another miracle in a long series of miracles. Um, we, the stake president there was a good friend of Vlad's. And he had the idea of writing a letter confirming our relationship because he was in the, the same ward I served in. And he wrote this and said, I know Vlad, I know Liz. They, they went to the same congregation um, because that's one of the requirements you have to have met in person. And like, I can vouch for them. And it turns out that that embassy worker had that letter and uh, contacted him and called him and uh, got further confirmation. And honestly, I think it, it, the spirit, the spirit worked on that man to come to that decision. It's a great story. I love that you know a little bit of the backstory and how some, that's great. Yeah. And I will mention also that that story about Lazarus is really touching because when he, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, um, and at that point, Lazarus was probably already dead, it says that he waited two days. He stayed where he was, waited two days, and then went. And by the time he got there, it, Lazarus had been dead for four days. And that is when he raised him because the cultural beliefs of the time was that after a person dies, the spirit hangs around the body for three days. So even though he had raised somebody from the dead before, it was soon after and the, the people were able to kind of uh, justify that saying, oh, the spirit was just nearby and, and it's not so much a miracle. But Jesus specifically waited to show forth his miraculous power. And in our case, you know, we had to wait that extra time. And I think that's just important for people to know that if you feel like you're waiting for a miracle, it might just be that the Lord knows when the best time is for that. And he does these things so he can show forth his power and so that we can be witnesses of that power. I love that story. I love that um, you both followed your spiritual impressions and were open to this relationship. Some, it's a whole nother podcast, but sometimes there's cultural expectations you won't find you're going to marry on your mission. I saw an LDS Living article that um, talked about couples that did find each other on their mission. I don't think they left on their mission to find their eternal companion. But I have to think that if we go to kind of where you take us with God and some of the scripture you just shared, that all things are possible. And maybe this is always the plan. Um, even if you or others in your life had expectations that you'd marry somebody very much like you um, from the same country, the same culture, the same zip code. So I love the part of that story, just that um, you were open to the Lord's plan for you. It included marrying Vlad. Vlad's Ukrainian then, is that right? Yes. 
And so, and that this has happened and now you're here in Utah and have three kids and have gotten on with your lives. Mm -hmm. And I did a podcast interview on the cultural hall, all about our story. So if somebody wants to look into that, um, I believe it's episode 626 um, where, yeah. We'll link to that listeners in the show notes. So if you want to check out that podcast, we'll link to that. Um, I'm going to ask you a question here. What are some things that have been getting you down lately? Um, so actually for these, um, these questions that uh, I think you have in front of you, yes. what you just read. So those, um, these questions that I wanted to include in this podcast, they come from my book and it's something that I want to pose to listeners. Good. So this isn't a question for you. It's just for listeners. Yes. Got it. Um, so the question um, for people, um, what are some things that have been getting you down lately? And consider bringing those things to the Lord in prayer and seeking comfort from him. So this is the type of question that you would get at the end of each chapter um, to kind of take, take the points home personally to you. Um, so for you listeners, I just want to encourage you to think about, you know, what's, what, what, what's getting you down? What, where is your lack of comfort coming from? And then to go in prayer and ask God to give you comfort. Because I think a lot of times we have these problems, but then we kind of keep them to ourselves and we don't go to the Lord as quickly as we ought to, even though he's just waiting there with open arms, ready to comfort us. I love that. Do you want to talk more in this section about comforts you or move to the next section? We can move. We can move on. And this section, listeners, is called Reveals Your Life Mission. Yep. So this comes from the idea of um, that everyone has a life mission. And this idea has always fascinated me. I went to an education week class by Randall Wright, and he's also got a book called Achieving Your Life Mission. And um, it just resonates with me so much. Um, he, for example, he was teaching, I believe, an institute class, and he asked his students, um, why are you here? Why are you here on the earth? And people gave the primary answers of, oh, to, to get a body, to gain experience, to prove that we'll keep the commandments and so on. And then he stopped and he's like, okay, but why are you here? What, why are you here on the earth? What is your life mission? And so when I was writing the book, I, I wanted to include this. And that's why I picked the why chapter because it's, you know, reveals your life mission. Um, and it's just this idea that God has a plan for each of us um, that will bring us the most happiness and will help build his kingdom the most. And it's interesting. I'm reading The Hobbit right now. Um, have you read that or watched it? I have not. I've um, watched a little of the movies with my kids. Yeah. So um, it just starts out so funny that Bilbo Baggins is um, living his totally content life in his burrow and everything's fine. You know, he, he loves to eat. He loves the comfort of his life. Um, and then all of a sudden Gandalf comes and knocks on his door and asks him if he wants to go on an adventure. And at first, he, at first he's like, um, no, like I'm perfectly fine where I am right now. Um, but little by little, something changes in him and he, you know, ends up on this adventure with Gandalf and 13 dwarves. Um, and when I read that, I just thought how similar that is to our life, that the spirit, um, we can be like totally content in our lives. And then the spirit will come knocking, asking us to do something to get us out of our comfort zone. And if we heed that call, um, 
we, you know, it opens us up to a lot of ups and downs, um, but ultimately we'll go where the Lord wants us to go. Um, so case in point for my experience with this is uh, about a year ago, I was listening to a marketing conference, um, kind of an author's conference. And they were talking about different ways you can market your book and, you know, get your platform out there and stuff. And they mentioned a podcast. And when they mentioned that, the spirit was like immediately like drew, drew that out and was like, hey, you should think about this. You should think about doing a podcast. And I was like, no, no way. I like give me anything else to do in this whole marketing conference and I'll do it, but not a podcast. Um, and there's two reasons for that. Uh, one is that I, I was, I kept telling myself I'm a writer, not a speaker. Um, writing, you can edit something a hundred times before anybody ever reads it. But when you speak, you just, it, it's out there <laughs> and, uh, it's a lot harder, at least for me. Um, and the second reason, which was actually more of a barrier, was that I hated my voice. And I have always been self-conscious of my voice ever since I was a teenager. I thought I've, I sound like a boy and, or I sound like a man now. Um, and by the way, I have, I have a cold today, so I'm even more gravelly than, <laughs> than usual. <laughs> but um, I just... I have never liked my voice. And when you do a podcast that your voice is the the product, you know? And, and so I just, I was just so against this idea, but the spirit just kept prodding and things started coming together of, um, you should do this topic, you know, talk, talking about books from a gospel pers- perspective. Um, and then between those episodes, you can do little episodes from each chapter of your book and all these ideas started coming together and I was like, oh my gosh, okay, like I'll try it. Um, and I remember buying the, the microphone because I'm like, okay, if I'm spending a hundred bucks on something, then I've got to do this so that doesn't go, go to waste. <laughs> um, and so I got it all figured out everything, how to do everything. And I launched it in February. Um, and the reception I got was very positive. Um, people loved what I was saying, and much to my utter astonishment, people like my voice. Um, some people have said that it's soothing. Some people have said that some other voices are kind of hard to listen to if it's uh, like for different reasons, but that um, they could listen to me very easily. And that was just mind-boggling to me because this thing had kept me back for for so long that that these you know lies that I was believing about myself um and it it turns out it wasn't a problem at all and so that was one thing is people's reception of it and then the other thing that surprised me was how much I loved it I had no idea how much I would love podcasting and speaking and there's just such power in the spoken word that you don't get in in writing um, and with that has come a confidence to be on other podcasts. I've done other podcast interviews and now I'm here with you. And if I, 
you know, if somebody told me a year ago that I would be doing this podcast interview with you, I would have said no way. Um, but I'm here and it's all because the spirit knocked on my heart and I opened it and followed him. Um, I love that. More on this um, and how this ties back to individual listeners and just your personal story here. I think I just, for this topic, I want people to know that God has a plan for their lives and the spirit will take you in that direction and it will get you out of your comfort zone. You know, maybe it's to um, start a business or make a, make a career change or go back to school or um, have another kid, or, you know, maybe it is to um, go to rehab or leave an abusive relationship or check into a mental health facility, facility. Um, just these little nudges that the spirit will take you in. Um, and it requires a lot of trust. Um, but the, the result from it for you personally, and for those that you can impact, um, is really tremendous. And it's interesting when, when I realized how much I love podcasting, um, I almost felt as if Satan was saying like, dang it. Like she, I had kept her from this and she got through it. And now she's having this impact on the world that I don't want her to have. Um, and so Satan can be holding you back in, you know, a thousand different ways. But if you just listen to that still small voice and go on that adventure with the spirit, the Lord will lead you to places way better than you had in mind. That's like I said, both for you and for others going to be the absolute best thing. I love this segment. And this is under the Y letter reveals your life mission. That's obviously one of the sections of the book because there's a letter for each section, but I love you bravely sharing some vulnerability about your voice. And somehow along the line, somebody told you that about your voice or you self-concluded that and you had just sort of labeled that about your voice. And that's honest. I don't want to dismiss that, but I love your courage to do the podcast and, um, and just to work through that. And I think listeners, I mean, I think that's just an important principle for all of us reveals your life mission is a lot of times when you feel impressed to do something, you look at somebody that's already doing it or seems have more of a, an experience with a podcast, or I'm going to go back to the podcast. So there's already a lot of podcasts. There's already some people with big platforms that seem to be very well known in our faith community. Why should I do a podcast? You know, there's no more room in this space. And I love that you just, if you thought that, you just sort of ignored all that and said, I'm still going to do a podcast. And your podcast is successful, but sometimes, listeners, when we do something, it's not successful. And often, though, that it opens the door to something else. It's not the end. It's sort of the stepping stone and that learning process of trying something and not having it work out. I hope that doesn't shut you down from trying something again. I hope you say, this is what I've learned. Failure is a step upward. And now I know and have more clarity on the next thing I should do. I always, sometimes when I was giving advice to younger people, I used to talk about the, and talked about this on the podcast. I don't want to get too track, sidetracked from Liz's story, but I 
I've always felt life is a little bit like being thrown into a swimming pool that's just full of fog and you can't see the sides. Um, there's a small percent of people in their teenage years that have no fog and they just can see the side of the swimming pool and they just go in a straight line and they become orthopedic surgeons or rocket scientists and they knew at age five that's they, what they were going to do or a teacher. But a lot of us just have a lot of fog, but it's the ones that kind of get moving. Um, and, and the sides represents safety in the swimming pool analogy, but represents your life mission to use your language here. The sides represent understanding and having your life mission revealed to you, but it takes effort. And so that's why I love that you said, I know I can write, but to connect people with my work, maybe I should be a podcaster and maybe I should go on other people's podcasts. And it sounds like that was out of your comfort zone. Yes, very much so. <laughs> and I just love that you did that. And you drowned out the naysaying voices that might be in your mind or the narrative you played out in your mind that said, I shouldn't do this and said, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. So I love that. Um, here's the question for listeners. Um, write, if I'm doing this correctly, write down the question, what mission was, was I sent to earth to, to perform? So I'll let you expand on that. Yeah, so this also comes from the book of um, just this invitation to write write down that question. What mission was I sent to earth to perform? Um, and then what promptings do you receive from the spirit in response to this? So this is something that you could um, ponder. I mean, you might have ideas right away of of what the Lord wants you to do, um, but then kind of leave, leave that there and, and let the spirit work on you over time to keep adding to that list. And I think that will um, help give you direction in your life to know how to accomplish the things the Lord wants you to accomplish. I love that. Let's do the T. Are you ready to do another letter? Yes. Uh, I'll let you go ahead and introduce the T for our listeners and what you'd like to share. Okay, so this is, uh, reveals the truth of all things. Um, so as I was writing this, I, we usually think of truth as in um, the, the Book of Mormon is true, praying to know that the gospel is true. Um, but there's also a lot of, um, in the world, a lot of lies, uh, philosophies of men, so to speak, that uh, it can be really hard to discern the truth, discern truth from error. And so the Spirit can help you with that as well. Uh, but then as, as I was writing that, I realized, you know what? It's not just in the world that we have to discern truth from error. Very often, it's in our very own minds. And um, there's this quote from the book I wanted to share. Um, the Holy Ghost can help you recognize distortions of reality in your own mind. And he can help you reframe those thoughts to align with the truth. Your choruses of I am a worthless failure can be transformed into I am a child of God. A very imperfect one, yes, but one whose worth is great in the sight of God. The reason I wanted to talk about this was that because of my own struggles with mental illness. So I, um, I like I like you mentioned, I have three children. Um, with my first, everything was great um, for the pregnancy and recovery and everything. Um, and when I was pregnant with my second, um, I developed depression. So we use the term postpartum depression a lot, um, but that's technically after the birth, postpartum. Um, and I think people should know a lot more about antepartum depression, which is depression that starts when you're pregnant. 
um, because pregnancy does all sorts of crazy things to you. And women don't just sacrifice their physical health. They often sacrifice their mental health as well. And so I developed uh, depression during my second pregnancy. Um, and that was very difficult, especially when I was trying to figure out what it was and how to manage it. And uh, eventually I got on some medication that really helped. And then during my third pregnancy, uh, that depression came back and also with anxiety. Um, and so my, my pregnancies have gotten progressively harder. Um, and so with the anxiety, especially, I think I've noticed the, the distortions of reality in your mind that Satan can, um, can really just put lies, put lies in your head. And, um, I remember I got my kids a fish. Well, I guess I got all of us a fish cause I took care of it, you know, <laughs> like any parent, um, a beta fish. We named him Bluey because that's, he was blue and that's what a four year old could think of. And, um, and I was pregnant. So I was pregnant with my third and we had this fish and it came time to clean the tank and I was cleaning a little bit. And then I thought, you know, this water is pretty dirty. Let me just change it all out. Um, just change it all out. And, um, the next day Bluey was dead. Turns out you're not supposed to change all the water because that has like helpful bacteria in it that helps the fish. So you're only supposed to change it out a little at a time. Um, so in normal circumstances, that would have just been a tiny thing. Like we had a fish for a few days, it died, the end. But with my anxiety at the time, um, it was really hard for me. I remember sitting at the table, looking at this empty fish tank and crying and just thinking, I killed Bluey. Like I didn't know what I was doing. My intentions were good but it didn't matter that my intentions were good because I didn't know what I was doing and I killed him. And as a mother, I feel like sometimes I have no idea what I'm doing and it doesn't matter that my intentions are good. I'm going to ruin my children. And here I am wanting to bring a third one into the world. And what am I doing? And um, Satan was able to take this little tiny thing about the fish and just, exaggerate it into my whole life um and there's this quote i love it says um anxiety gives small things big shadows um and thankfully i was able to work through that and that's when i noticed the spirit just like picking out my thoughts and just saying that's not true um and really kind of calming calming me down um and there was a, another experience I had um, pretty recently, I'd say sometime this year. Um, one of the things I hate about depression and anxiety is the way I take it out on my kids. Um, I feel like before having kids, I was like such a calm person. <laughs> but since having kids, like it's just crazy. It's hard. Um, and at one evening, I don't even know why, what was happening, but I just lost it. I just lost my temper with my kids and I yelled so loudly or so much that even my, my voice was hoarse. And of course, after that, I just felt so bad about it. And I remember being in my kitchen, I was trying to get dinner done and I, um, I just sat on the ground with my, with my back against the cupboard and I just was crying. 
feeling so bad about the way that I acted. And eventually when I got back up, um, my daughter, who was probably five at the time, um, she, she said, she saw me and she said, mama, can you play with me? And you got to love the, the forgiving, loving nature of children. Right. But I just looked at her baffled and I said, Katya, how can you even want to be with me when I am such a monster? And she looked at me and she just said, don't call yourself a monster. And one thing to hear that, you know, from, from a person, but the spirit just latched on to those words. And he said, you are not a monster. You are a child of God. And yes, you're struggling, but you're also striving. And by the way, you don't have days like this all the time. You have good days too. And he just really helped me has come back to earth and, and realize the, the faultiness of my thinking and just this feeling of just make things right and move forward. That It's okay. And I have not called myself a monster since then. I have not even allowed myself to do that in my head because of the way the spirit taught me on that day through my daughter. It's a really brave segment, Liz. There's a bunch of people like me that are pretty tenderhearted for your honesty. I love that you gave real life examples. I love Bluey and how that um, well-intended experience sort of attacked the things, I think sometimes anxiety attacks the things that are the most matter the most to us and and connecting those dots between Bluey and you as a mother and then unconnecting them was very helpful. But I love the way you talked about that. And I love your line, anxiety um, makes small things have big shadows. Mm -hmm. It's really true. Anxiety is about the future and it's about things that haven't happened, that could happen. But I love the way you just talked about that and didn't give the anxiety more power. Um, I also love your line, struggle but striving. There's reality and hope in that very simple statement. I think we're all struggling. I think earth life is very difficult. We may not be struggling on every day, like you said, in your own experience, but we struggle. Earth life is wounding, but I love striving. Striving doesn't, striving is doable for me. Perfection is overwhelming. <laughs> Perfect obedience is overwhelming, I, but I, I'm open to getting there. Um, but striving feels like a word I can do. And it doesn't, it seems like part of striving is having bumps along the way. I haven't really thought about that word. I know we've used that word at times in church, but I, I love the way you just used it. Uh, that's a, just a terrific segment under Reveals the Truth of All Things. Yeah, and the question I wanted to ask um, listeners again from the book, um, what distorted thoughts do you tend to struggle with and what's untrue about them? What truths do you think the spirit wants you to internalize instead? And I think that anybody could, could get a lot out of answering those questions. More thoughts for listeners. They're saying, yeah, Liz, I, I know that I'm doing this and I am 
other ways you can break the cycle of just uh, incorrect thoughts about you. Some people just ruminate. I can't say that word. You probably know. Ruminate, probably. That's it. And you can probably spell it. (laughs) Um, Talk more just about how to get out of that cycle. Uh, I think journaling is a huge help. Um, When you have something written down, it's sometimes easier to see it from, I don't know, from an outside perspective. And so uh, I actually heard heard an example from somebody that they'll write down their, their thoughts and then they'll highlight what they feel is coming from God versus what they feel they're coming, what's coming from Satan. Um, so I think that can be helpful. Um, and then I think prayer is a huge thing that when you're feeling um, bombarded by those thoughts, um, it's such a simple thing that we talk so much about. And so I think people might underestimate it, but it can, it can really change you to, to get down on your knees or, you know, wherever you're at and just praying and asking God to help you recognize which thoughts are from him and, uh, what thoughts are not. And again, through the, through the spirit, um, you, you can get to know that better. And it's a process too, that little by little, um, you, you can recognize these things for, for what they are. Where are thoughts on that? Anything else come to mind for listeners? No, nope, I think that's all for that one. I love, I kind of think back to your voice and that somehow this image of your voice got established in your mind and you're able to get past that. And actually, I love that people, because I think your voice is great. It's soothing. I think that's, a, it's articulate, it's clear, it's um, gifted. And so I think that that's a good example, listeners, of just, Liz's own vulnerability with their voice and how we can turn what really isn't a weakness into our strengths. We kind of got to hit it head on and not let others define or even our own thoughts define ourselves. And you just reminded me that Satan often, he won't, he won't use blatant lies. He will use a lot of half, half truth, half lies. And we see that everywhere. Um, And even that thing that was originally holding me back um, I'm a writer, not a speaker. Like he was willing to admit, okay, that yeah, that I'm a writer. But then that that next part was, you're not a speaker, because he wanted to keep me from speaking. Can you imagine how mad he is that we're doing this podcast right now? <laughs> I love your personal story being woven in here, and I just I think of the pride of comparison. And social media and just our culture and the world right now is that we see other gifted people and we self-conclude that we can't go into that space because there's I'm never going to be as good as X or I'm never going to be as articulate as X or I'm never as beautiful as X. And so we just don't ever give ourselves the chance to do something because we, and I don't think it's about doing it as good as whoever, it's about um, using our talents that sometimes we bury because we're sort of in this world of comparing to others versus just like you're talking about here, what's your life mission and what, what under the T, the truth of all things. Um, it's very individual the way we contribute as Latter-day Saints and our individual stories. And we need people with all their gifts to come forward. Um, just not the people that have 
an excess of gifts. I don't want to say an excess, but just the very best gifts in a space. We need everybody in that space. Even if you don't become the very best podcaster in the Latter-day Saint community, we still need you. And so that's me talking to all of us. We all need each other to be our very best, personal best, and bring our gifts forward. And not do it in the context of how do we measure up to somebody else who's trying to do the same thing. So any more thoughts on reveals the truth of all things? Nope, that's good for that one. Okay, we could just, I could just randomly pull out letters now from the book (laughs) and just, let's, but we're not. But I think you could handle that. Talk about F. Uh, Yeah, I was hoping we'd have time for this one. Um, So as I was writing the book, there there were ideas that immediately came to me of, you know, these are the roles of the spirit. And then there were other ones that I had to um, kind of study out more and figure out, okay, what else can we do? What what else can he do? Um, Until, you know, I I came to 26. (laughs) But this was one of the coolest ones um, in the book. I think one of the most powerful chapters, um, and it's about forgiveness. So the F chapter is that the spirit conveys God's forgiveness. Um, and the, I wanted to share a quote from Elder Tad R. Collister about this. If you feel the spirit, when you pray, read the scriptures, teach, testify, or at any other time, then that is your witness that you have been forgiven. Or alternatively, that the cleansing process is taking place for the spirit cannot dwell in an unholy tabernacle. In most cases, the cleansing process takes time because our change of heart takes time. But in the interim, we can proceed with the confidence that God approves of our progress as manifested by the presence of his spirit. Um, and I just love that because I think a lot of people struggle with knowing if they've been forgiven. And I know this because um, at church, so I go to the, we go to the Russian speaking branch in Salt Lake. There's a Russian speaking branch. And back before this was published, um, I, I, I shared with people that, you know, this book is coming out, but they were, um, it's Russian speaking. So a lot of like native Ukrainians or Russians. And they said, well, do you have it in Russian? And I said, uh, no, sorry. Like it's just in English. But then I decided to go and I, I translated the book. And I did not translate by like myself. I used, you know, Google Translate or Deeple or whatever. Um, so it's not a perfect translation, but I was able to get it fully in Russian to give out to my, my ward members, the branch members. And um, after I did that, after some time before church one day, um, this sweet old lady came up to me and she just put her, her arm, her hand on my arm and just said, thank you. Thank you so much. For this book because I have been wondering for years if the Lord has forgiven me for something and when I read your chapter on forgiveness I knew that I had been forgiven and she had felt the spirit testify of that to her and she was this just this sweet old lady just with tears in her eyes um, was just so grateful to to know that so that's something I definitely want listeners to know is that if you can feel the spirit like, like it says here, either you have been forgiven or you're in the process and God approves of your progress. And you know what? If you're not feeling spirit, then that is just a sign that you might need to repent of something, might change your ways. But the spirit can still 
prompt you to do that in a very loving way that it's not, um, you know, this angry repent ye, repent ye. It's the spirit just working with you wherever you're at um, to, to help you get little by little to where God wants you to be. I love that. Um, as a wise say bishop, I gave a chapter of Tad Callister's book. Maybe that's out of that chapter to wise says that working through the repentance process. But as I mentioned, and I don't want to pivot to my book, but I do have a book out there called Improving Latter-day Saint Culture. And one of the chapters is repentance. And the more I was in that space with YSAs, the more I, sh- I went to what you're talking about. It used to be very checklist, and it used to be, you know, this is the formula. If you did this sin, these were the six steps, and it was time-related. It was like the criminal justice system. But then I, over time, and I, this is consistent with our doctrine and Ted Callister's, I recognized that, you know, the goal is to get someone to godly sorrow and change of heart. And part of that is feeding the Spirit. And any restrictions or any time or anything to read was not the end. It was the means. And it was different for different people. So the doctrine behind repentance didn't change, but the process significantly changed. And it was no longer time-related. It was no longer this checklist. It was principles-based, which I think the church is increasingly embracing a principles approach. Um, so I just, I love that. And I love then you teaching that as you feel the Spirit, that's godly sorrow and a change of heart. And that that shows you that God loves you and either a completed repentance or like you said in the process, but you're making progress. But I just, I like what you're sharing and I just recognize that I wish I'd kind of approached it that way before my YSA assignment because my approach to this really changed after meeting with YSAs. And it was very diff. If I just came in with kind of a programmed criminal justice list of restrictions time, I recognize I was adding burden to people. I recognize Liz, some people were meeting with me and they had done everything they needed to do and just telling the priest leader because it was a serious sin was the last thing they needed to do. And some people, it was the first step in the process. And I needed to be sensitive enough to the spirit because I recognized if it's the last thing they needed to do and they'd already done the godly sorrow change of heart, all the things you did. And I just looked at that as starting the repentance process. It was a disservice to them versus all they needed to know was just meet with the priesthood leader. So I'm not inviting people to meet with their priesthood leader last. If it's a serious thing they need to involve, I'm just, I love that it's a principles base. And what we're trying to do is get past the mechanical process and getting to godly sorrow and change of heart and any restrictions or things we ask ourselves or for a priesthood leader to do are a means to get to that. And then that isn't time-related. It may be very different for different people. Any thoughts on that? So let's go to Z, or Z, as we used to say. I still say Zs because of my time in England as a missionary. <laughs> so Z, uh, it was kind of hard to, hard to come up with a Z letter. People always ask, what's the Z chapter? What's the, what's the X chapter? <laughs> yeah, and the Q, that's another one. I guess you'll have to read the book to find that out. <laughs> So the the Z is uh, that it increases your zeal for the gospel. And I love that this is the last one because it kind of sums up all the other ones. Um, So we think of zeal as in it's this enthusiastic um, yearning for the gospel. 
when you really feel on fire with the gospel, you want to do things right. Um, you're, you're just loving serving and um, your desires are just righteous and, and godly. Um, but we don't always feel that way. It, you can easily get very burnt out. Um, you can feel lukewarm about the gospel, you know? Um, we don't always feel the zeal that we um, read about in the scriptures, like with Ammon and others. Um, and the, this chapter is about how the spirit can help you um, either maintain that zeal or get it back when you've lost it. Um, and there's this passage in Jeremiah uh, that I just love because it shows that even prophets have struggled and they have lost their zeal. So there's um, this scene when Jeremiah is um, in prison and he is, he just wants to give up. He says, and this is Jeremiah 20. He says, I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. I will not make mention of the Lord nor make, nor speak any more in his name. Like I'm done. I've had enough. This is too hard. And I, I give up. Um, and if that were the end of the story, you know, we'd, we'd only have 20 chapters of Jeremiah. <laughs> but in the very next verse, it, it says this line, which I just love. But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. Like he just felt that spirit so strongly inside him that he could not not testify of the gospel even in prison, even with everything that was going on. And I just think that's so important. Like if you are feeling um, lukewarm or if you're feeling burnt out, if you are feeling um, like your desires aren't as righteous as they should be, um, just seek out the spirit. Do the things that bring the spirit into your life because he can kindle that fire in your heart um, to purify your desires and give you the strength to do whatever it is that God requires. Thank you for that. Makes me want to read Jeremiah more. Um, do two more things for us, um, for our listeners. Talk about a children's book that you're working on and then just share your concluding thoughts. Hmm. So I mentioned at the beginning that this is not a children's book, but with the uh, nudge of some people and also the spirit, I wrote a children's book version of it. So it, it'll be a picture book. Each verse, um, each uh, letter is a kind of small stanza, a, a poem. Um, and it's kind of neat because kids will be able to learn the same principles as the parents who are, if, you know, if they're reading this book. Um, and because it's so um, powerful, I wanted to read a few of the stanzas. Is, is that okay? Yes. Okay. Um, so I'm going to do just, I think about four, four letters. Um, the letter J is for Jesus, the center of God's plan. The Holy ghost can testify that he's not just some man, but actually the son of God, the savior of us all who can heal you and redeem you. If you only heed his call. L is for the love of God. He has for me and you, which never, ever leaves us no matter what we do. The Spirit will remind you that you're precious in His sight and help you feel that love for others, giving them your light. T 
T stands for truth, which the Spirit does reveal to all who ask in prayer with a desire deep and real. The devil loves to twist the truth and fill the world with lies, but with the Spirit's help, you won't be fooled by his disguise. P is for God's peace, the greatest peace there is, greater than whatever peace the world thinks it can give. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. For God will send the Holy Ghost to hurry to your aid. And then this is the conclusion. What a precious gift from God, his spirit ever with you, as long as you are worthy and stay faithful, pure, and true. And if you drive him out, do what you need to get him back. For he's the greatest friend and helper you could ever have. Thank you. I love this podcast. I'd circle back and share what I love, but I just have done some of that. So my impression is just to end. Um, I will mention um, one last thing. So Please, there's time. <laughs> okay. um, and by the way, that, that children's book will probably come out sometime next year. I don't have a publication date, but just you know, be aware of that. Um, so I just wanted to mention in concluding that uh, I've shared a lot of personal stories today, um, but none of those stories are actually in the book. And it's because uh, this book is about the spirit. It's not about me. Um, and it is about you. So these, the questions that I ask, um, some of them are backward facing. So they, you, they encourage you to look at your past and remember your own stories, your own spiritual experiences. And other questions are encouraging you to do something now to have more spiritual experiences in the future, more stories with the spirit. Um, and I just want people to know how incredible this gift is. It is just such an incredible gift from God um, to have the spirit with us to do all of these things. Um, and he is there for us. And all we need to do is open our hearts to him. Thank you, Liz Cousin G. This is a terrific podcast and we'll link to her book. I'll link to that other podcast that you did. Um, and that was one of the things I was, and link to your own podcast. So those will be in the show notes. And so this is Richard Oster and Liz Cousin G signing off from another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. <laughs>